Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure uh, and privilege to be among you. Thanks for inviting me to talk. Uh, and as I understand, uh, CBMC is full of entrepreneurs and businessmen. So a talk like this, what I've chosen, or what Lord laid upon my heart to speak to you this morning, is a topic that I am dealing with. Uh, I pray sincerely that it will make sense for you because it is not a topic that you can move away from. It is part of us in some form, in some percentages, and it occupies our mind. Because as businessmen, you'll always be considering the future. In that aspect, I come to you. Let's get on to this. How did I arrive at this topic, uh, now generation? You must have, some of you must have heard this term, now generation. In CBMC a circle, whom we meet in Tenambat Madras, uh, we, I spoke about church and next generation. Then the topic, now generation, was introduced by Brother Bastian there. So I put two, both the talks together and arrived at today's topic, calling now generation, but I want to talk to you from the talk of both of this. All of us as Christians, believers, are in part of a church, whether it is organized mainline church with the edifices of huge church buildings, properties, etc., or simple gathering of believers. We are part of a church. The church needs to have a vision. What is the vision? In John Ray, it is my Bible teacher taught me it is two verses. Then Prakash Eshtian gave me that idea or the teaching. He told me church has to have a vision, two forms of it. One is protective vision and another one is progressive vision. Protective vision is for people who are in the churches who want to protect their buildings, who want to maintain status quo, sing the same songs, sing the same choir, the same choir dress, the same clerical dress, the same pattern, same, same, everything. That is a protective vision. Protect the land, protect the properties, protect the ministries, what they're doing, status quo. Come to the other thing, progressive vision. If we have to have a progressive vision, it will have concern about next generation because we will always be considered about getting the church future ready. It's a very crazy term. Some people have criticized me for that, but I still want to give you, the church has to be future ready. Even if you don't like it, I always say it from my past, how my father and mother were attending churches, how my grandparents were attending, how the generation before that attend. So they were progressively picking up things that are going around the world and the world was catching them by the scruff of their collars and moving rather than them getting future ready. But here in this generation, I've come to their age, but then I want to be future. I want to always be talking to the next generation, saying that get future ready. We get our families future ready. We get our businesses future ready. So that is where this topic comes in. If we have to talk about that, I take a word from the Lord's prayer. He taught us to pray, thy kingdom come. And what are we here? We are on kingdom's business. What do we do? Because God has said, told us, first in Judea, then in Samaria, and to, unto the ends of the earth. So the kingdom is ever expanding. So if it is be ever expanding, we need to have a progressive vision. And that progressive vision includes the next generation. 
my idea is that we cannot have a next generation ideas about the next generation unless we correct ourselves first we have got to look inward and look at our, consider ourselves seriously then we can talk about the next generation so in my concept what is the now generation is there is a definition coming up later in the talk but now generation in my idea is to include everybody all inclusive you take it from the kids who attend the sunday school to the elder who are patiently waiting silently waiting in the churches so attending the churches so to this generation so the now generation is bracketing everybody into the church all believers so what is that we are concerned about the next generation we have a whole lot to complain we keep on complaining saying that they will not listen they are not coming to the church they are not attending then who will we leave this church to that is my question i am asking this question what kind of a church i will leave it for the next generation i am asking for the past 30 years this and god has progressively been moving despite my slothfulness and lack of application he has been moving me in that direction even this morning he has moved me in this direction to make a talk and share my burden with all of you okay if you have to look at what is this generation why we are complaining we need to have some profiling done about what we call a landscape analysis how the landscape looks and what is their profile why we are so concerned are exasperated about the younger generation what has happened is the younger generation from 1950s to the new millennium some christian philosopher a famous christian philosopher has profiled them i'll give it to you briefly in the 1950s in the decade of 50s they lost their innocence the term generation gap came in because children moved away from their parents because of good jobs cars independent houses the generation gap came in in the 60s it's lost their authority because it was a decade of rebellion rejecting the authority what happened if you know history because i grew up in the decade there was vietnam war there was woodstock uh, music all these things the authority was rejected the authority was rejected but it was never replaced by something and in the 70s kids lost the love how did they lose the love because the me inward looking thing came in because they have lost the love from outside the inward love came in so what happened is the terms self made self esteem self assertion self image this self isms came in that was in those times give me a minute sorry about that somebody rang the bell uh, so in the 80s so that was the they lost the innocence in the 50s they lost the innocence authority in the 60s they lost the authority love in the 70s and in 80s they lost the hope because the world was reeling 
under nuclear threat, Cold War, etc. This is part of history, profiling. A Christian philosopher is profiling the people, how we arrived at the present situation. And in the 90s, they lost the power to reason. And in the light is 90s, the, so because we lost the hope in the 80s, they stopped, they, the kids stopped believing in the future. In the 90s, they lost the power to reason. Grew up with the irrationality of postmodern world. Then the new millennium after 2000, what happened is the kids lost their imagination. Because they lost their imagination, what took over them is violence and perversion started entertaining them. You know it very well. The cable TV has already arrived inside the, our home by that time. Violence and perversion, whether it is a serial that you watch or a movie that you watch or you go to Hollywood movies or any form of entertainment, it is only violence and perversion. This is how the kids have arrived at the present time. And we get exasperated. We have been part of that. We have contributed to that. So we need to fix ourselves and then fix the next generation. So don't get me wrong. So that is how we got it. This is from a Christian, this kind of a profiling over 50, 70 years. It doesn't come to a guy like me, but a Christian philosopher has done it. Okay, that is the landscape and the profiling. But what does the Bible say about these things? So the new millennials are also called, the new millennium people are also called Generation Z. You would have heard Generation X, you would have heard Generation A, Y, then the millennials, then the Generation Z. Generation Z are the people born after 1996 and up to 2012. So their age is 10 to 25 now as we encounter. This is the generation we have to look at them and see, are they coming into the church? Are they, uh, do they have respect for anything that is going on in the church? What is their Christian belief? These are the questions that is exasperating us. So we does it, what does the Bible say? Is the Bible saying anything about the kids of this, in this generation? Does Jesus care about them? Did Jesus care? Did Jesus write, talk to them about it? I want to read to you a passage from the Bible, how much Jesus was concerned. If you have your Bibles with you, please open Gospel according to Matthew chapter 11 and verse from 16 onwards. Verse 16 onwards, chapter 11, verse 16 onwards. Jesus says, to what can I compare this generation? They're like children, sitting in the marketplace and calling out to others. We played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you didn't mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he was a demon. That was John the Baptist. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say there is a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by their, by our actions. So Jesus himself has been concerned about it. So what does this mean to have the children in the marketplace? A brief uh, delving into that. 
what does the children in the marketplace means children what do we equate the children to children are very playful foolish at the least and mindless so children are when we take children what comes to our mind is very playful mindless and foolish but what is the marketplace marketplace is a place of idleness and a place of worldly business because we are we are all business people meeting together a place of business people marketplace is a place of business people worldly busyness and for the whole, the, all the community a place of noise and diversion so what did jesus christ say it is you are like children in the marketplace for saying to each other we played the flute and you didn't dance we played the dirge and you didn't cry so who are we we are people under grace why are we getting so little under grace that should be our question and our concern this morning if we are getting so little living under the grace one thing is because of our slothfulness and we do not take pains and our head heads hearts and hands are full of the world and its cares which choke the word of god and choke the soul ezekiel 33 31 brings it out very nicely very aptly but it was told to us more than almost 3000 years ago so if this is the case why are we getting so much so little under grace maybe slothfulness maybe that we are not engaging we do not love the love to take pains so how painful we have to be in this now i profiled you how the gen- this generation arrived and i also read to you from the scriptures how jesus christ was concerned for this generation now look at this generation now generation that is the topic of the day what is now generation one of the dictionaries gives a loose definition or explanation and says and he says a generation what is now generation a generation typically of young people described as wanting everything to be given to them as quickly as possible in return for as little effort or sacrifice as possible permit me to say it again the definition given for now generation is a generation typically of young people described as wanting everything to be given to them as quickly as possible in return for as little effort or sacrifice as possible so come to this if this is the now generation how do we reach them how do we reach them because how do we leave what kind of a church we leave and to what kind of people we will leave if that is our concern 
we'll have to see how do we reach this generation. This generation, as I described to you, is listening with its eyes and thinking with its feelings. If you ask me for an explanation, that will be a big discussion in an interaction. But simply, when I ended up saying that the children of the kids of the new millennium, what they have happened, arrived at is, they woke up and found out that they have lost their imagination. So what is occupying their mind is violence and perversion. What the world is saying, for everything they are saying, audiovisual. So they don't listen. They only see. That's why it said this generation listens with its eyes. And perversion is entertaining them. So they are thinking with their feelings. They are not hearing the word of God anymore. They don't want to it is shut up. That faculty of listening is shut up. Now I am talking. Hopefully all of us are listening. But for them, that faculty is down because they have to see everything. They are listening with their eyes. Now, this generation, if we have to reach, we got to understand them a little better. They are neither bound by laws, nor invited by promises, nor frightened by the threatenings, nor awakened by greatest things, nor allured by sweetest things, nor startled by the most terrible things, and cannot be made sensible by the plainest of the things or the commonest of the things. If they will, if they neither they hearken, they will hearken neither to the voice of scripture, nor reason, nor experience, nor providence, nor conscience, nor interest, what can be done. We have to care for them. Because if we don't prepare them, we cannot communicate to them then what kind of a church we will lead them and what kind of a church they will need. So I am now coming to the last portion of my talk and I am trying to tell you that fundamental lead for them is love, compassion, and instruction. Love, compassion, instruction. If, where can they find it? I think all of us will agree. They can find it only in family, community and church. They don't need big personalities. They only need leaders who think strategically. So the next level church needs to have a social media strategy because the device that all of us have in hand and are listening and communicating with each other is what is killing the next generation. Because that is everything for them. So a social media strategy. But what strategies the leaders have to bring is strategy for resourcing, supporting, and encouraging parents. Because parents themselves are clueless. They don't know what has happened. They don't know what to do. So they need resourcing, supporting, and encouraging for the parents. So what could be a new life church looks like? A new life church, don't, if, it is, if any church is termed as new life church, don't mix it up with that. I want to say what kind of a church it should be. It should be committed to each generation in the church. 
and each stage of life for exploring Bible with the children, to finding community as, as a single, to leading discussions about God's faithfulness with grandparents. This is a simple definition of what a church should be, could be, and needs to be. And then the next thing is, we are talking about is discipling. There are, when we have a church like that, we can disciple with five marks very quickly because time is running out. Introducing Jesus to others. I am obsessed with this. We introduce friends, but we cannot introduce Jesus. We have to teach that to our children. Introduce your friends, introduce your parents, introduce your siblings, but you cannot introduce Jesus. Then praying is our primary work. We have to train the next generation in that. Then stewarding resources generously, knowing and obeying God's word, completing the great commission, and depending on the Holy Spirit's empowering, taking faith-filled risks. This is what a businessman take, but take it faith-filled. So this is the way we lead the community. We lead the bring the next generation to us, love them, show compassion, and instruct them through family, through community, and church. In closing, my personal testimony, you can say that you're giving a pep talk or a motivational talk. No, no, no. I've lived the life. I have three children. The eldest has already reached 40. She's a mother of three. What did they do? I, me and my wife, we ran our family very transparently. We taught them from the scriptures. We taught them from the life. We modeled our life for them. Glory be to God. Thus far, they have kept the faith. I have still my son living with me. He's a millennial. I have, my wife has gone to be with the Lord a decade ago. So my son is still not married. He's living me, but he's a millennial. So I'm dealing with this. All these things are personal to me and a reality to me. So that is an encouragement, should be an encouragement for you. So in the church, what we need to do, Sunday school has to be given the maximum importance. The best trained and the most committed and the passionate should go as teachers. Youth has to be engaged. Administration cannot be ignored and pastors have to be counseled because pastors in those days were the most learned in the community and in the church. No longer they are. No longer they are. Neither in the world nor in the worldly wisdom. So we need to counsel the pastors and educate them and upbring them and enhance their qualities. So in community, both parents and youth are to be involved. So I close saying that I pray you would consider actively engaging the youth or the next generation and consider about the now generation, including us, a generation that wants everything to be given to them as quickly as possible in return for no pain. I was brought up by my father and mother saying that no pain, no gain. No longer we can say that to the next generation, but they have to be told. This now generation has to be told. And then we'll leave something because life is a relay race. Even the Christian faith, Christian life is a relay race. We carry that baton of faith and a good model and hand it to the next generation. They will take it forward where the Lord leads. 
God bless all of you. Thank you for the time. Okay, can you close it with the prayer? Yeah, I'll do that. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning, Manna. You sent it. I was able to share it with others. Brothers and sisters who listened, I pray that it will be a blessing for them, the now generation for whom we are concerned, shall be concerned forever. For you gave them to us, and we have a responsibility to build them up, bring them up. <clears throat> I pray that CBMC ministry will be blessed abundantly. And all who are entrepreneurs and businessmen in this, whatever they touch and put their hands to, shall be blessed and abound that the ministry, the kingdom may grow. In Christ's name, I ask this. Amen.